Hello, everyone, and welcome to this second episode of the Yoast SEO podcast, we, where we well, interview people who are friends of Yoast the company or Yoast the person or preferably both. Both is definitely true for today's guest. Um, today we have with us Aleida Solis, who's, well, an international SEO rock star. I cannot say anything else. Um, she's been a good friend for years. Uh, she comes to us from somewhere in the north of Spain, I think. Um, welcome, Aleida. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, uh, Joes. Yes, all the way from Santander. <laughs> Here. Santander. So, so you just said before we had recorded that you're relatively close to the beach. Yes, I'm yes. Somewhat well, jealous now. Yes, yes. That is one of the positive here. It's a small city, and actually, it's, it's nice because it's surrounded by on one side the mountains, and then yeah, and I have the beach like in front, like 500 meters from here. So it's quite nice. Not a bad place yeah. to be in lockdown. <laughs> yeah. So, so the funny thing is, I've discussed about remote work a lot with Elida in the last well, what is it, five. Five, six, seven years, and I'm not necessarily a fan of remote work. Well, Alida definitely was a fan of remote work, but I don't think you were a fan of remote work at home, were you? Yes, indeed. Like I, I was used. This is the thing for me. Remote is about uh, being in control, location independence, right? Is is uh, about uh, acknowledging that work doesn't need to happen in a given place that you don't necessarily want. You are able to work from whatever you feel like right but realistically unfortunately right now it is it is not like this we 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 need to be stuck at home because of uh covid restriction uh mobility restrictions etc so yes i will say that this one of use cases or scenarios of remote work uh that definitely might work really well uh it depends at the end of the day on your on your preferences and characteristics right uh, i i have spoken in the past with people who are so so happy like this because they are introverted by nature and they they say oh my god finally i am able to be myself completely right and mm. much more productive energy levels exactly because they were actually tired by interacting with so many people all the time right yeah. but but on the other hand like other people are ambiverts or extroverted and and who Maybe they work remotely before, but they used to go to co-workings or they went to a lot of events like I did, for example. So, yes, it's a little bit of a bittersweet right now, I have to say, because realistically, I think that unfortunately, I think that there's a share of people who after this, uh, they are realizing that they are able to work remotely um, after this, this experience. But at the end of the day, this experience, Experience has influenced them on seeing a lot of negative aspects on of of, uh, of the remote work setting that are not necessarily real if they were able to work from really whatever they wanted, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it. Uh, so we have a semi lockdown now in the Netherlands where our kids still go to school, which makes a lot of difference because the first lockdown everybody was forced to um, work from home with the kids being at home which is like not a fair comparison to working um, in an office because working around with well I've got four kids uh, your your kids running around you is like it drives it drove me absolutely nuts but that's not a fair comparison I have to say I was surprised about the productivity levels we could reach with people working from home um, it turns out that some people indeed are a lot more productive working from home. Some are not. 
Um, it really depends. Yes, indeed. I, I think that at the end of the day, it depends on your your uh, character, right? Your characteristics, yeah. where you feel more comfortable. And 100%, I have no idea how people with kids uh, are able to do it while being stuck with them at home at the same time, right? And, and if your partner also need to yeah, work, like, right? How, know, how do you handle? How do you coordinate? It, it, it's and, and it's even the, the, the stupid things, right? Like, so um, our eldest kids are... Uh, Uh, 14 and 11, so they were in, in calls for school. And Marika was, of course, working as well, and I was working. And then we had four um, Zoom streams open all the time to out of the house to, well, my meeting, Marika's meeting, and their school meetings. Turns out that your bandwidth does not really take into account four HD Zoom streams all the time. It's, it's like we have pretty good internet connections here, but four Zoom streams is a lot of data. So it, it, it you, well, you, you literally get in, in each other's way in that regard as well. It was, uh, there's a lot of stuff that you need to think about when you're in a situation like this that I had anticipated on to be honest um yeah i hope this goes away and that soon we'll be able to see each other at conferences again <laughs> hopefully indeed like yeah. uh, it, it has made me i think that much more appreciative of of uh, of those uh moments that you gave your by granted right like i yeah you know they, they were like the usual stuff but now it's like oh my god yes i miss them i miss I, uh, it's, it's incredible we wanted to do a yoast con at this year to uh, to celebrate 10 years of yoast uh you would have been there where <laughs> at that point um um yeah it, it's stuff like that i really really miss that's uh, seeing your friends from all over the place in the wordpress ecosystem where you've spoken at a mm -hmm. couple of word camps too i mm -hmm. think well you so you've seen that ecosystem um As, as a lot of friends that I usually speak to four or five times a year in person that I've now not seen for a year. It's really weird. Um, but on the other hand, it must be good for some of your website because one of, one of the things you do is remoters.net, right? Can you tell our, our audience a bit about what that is? Yes. Uh, so Remoters is a remote work hub that started in 2015. Um, I started it with an SEO friend. She's also an independent SEO consultant here in Spain, Elisa. And we started it because we were already starting uh, working remotely at the time. And, and we had been already working remotely for a while uh, at that point. And we realized that uh, a lot of people that we knew and we talked with in our industry, they were not yet remote and they were always asking and wondering and, and like, how do you, like, how, how do you handle clients or how, how do you get the clients, how they don't care or, or how, how do you can get an in-house or, or employee job, job uh, as a remote worker? Because I, I actually started working remotely when I was still an employee in 2012 or so, right? So, so there were so many questions that we um, realized that there was a need of a resource uh, place providing uh, how-tos, guides, interviews with people who had already done it in different ways uh, to inspire um, a job board uh, featuring the, the remote jobs um, available for people to, to apply to. Um, so yes, we have from, from an events uh, section to uh, tools section, 
co-living section, but that unfortunately at this point is the one section that of course is, uh, and the events too. It doesn't do the, so the well. Ones, yes. But the, the <laughs> job, uh, I have to say, I was so very impressed by the job section because uh, it was already a growing trend that we had and, and the number of jobs that were uploaded on the website, which by the way, is free. Uh, the, the business model of many of the websites in, in this sector, right? It's like they, they, they require a fee to, to publish a remote at, uh, job advert. We don't, we don't want to, we, we, we want to monetize in other ways, but not like that, because I think that we want to commoditize that, that is so easy and straightforward and to empower people to actually uh, find jobs quite easily. We don't want to put any uh, yeah, roadblocks on that. So, mm -hmm. so we already had a growing trend, but realistically, it has boomed since, since then, right? Like, um, it was funny to see, uh, it was January, February, the, it, it was already uh, positive, right? But it's true, in March and, and April, uh, the traffic of people looking for jobs uh, in general were up. But mm -hmm. the number of jobs that were published were down for these two couple of months. But this changed completely after that. It was like, I guess, not only the industry that were directly hit, like, I don't know, travel, transportation, etc. right? Uh, during those times, but also companies like the uncertainty doesn't help when, when to a star, of course, like uh, employing new people, etc. But after that, it was a boom, right? Like uh, already May, June, July, oh my God, the numbers of companies hiring remotely, many of them, in fact, uh, completely new companies that register at the time. I actually, like, it's very straightforward to publish a new job on, on our job board when you are already with us because your company already exists. So for me, it's only to check, check that is a real job and approve. It's, it's, uh, we always validate, by the way, because we only want, like, real job at cool. uh, yeah. thirds. Um, but at, at that time, oh my God, I had to spend so much time like registering new companies <laughs> to connect with a, with a new I, job out there. So yes, it's crazy. I believe you. I mean, for us, it's uh, it's been a, an eye-opener in a way. And I think we'll, uh, for, for Yoast itself, we, we were completely office-based or not completely. We, we used to have a remote team in our support uh, team. And we were somewhat open to hiring remote WordPress employees who worked on WordPress core, but all of our dev teams, et cetera, were local. And we were now s switching to a slightly more hybrid model. Um, I think that will be the way to go uh, for many companies, right? Especially those who are much more established and have a, a really good established processes uh, connected with offices uh, across many locations even, right? A, a hybrid, much more uh, flexible model and also realizing that, uh, I'm sure this is not the case for, for, for you, right? Like some of the very school-minded companies that still require employees to be a nine sharp, Otherwise, you you know you will get like oh, yeah, this no, type I, of thing, right? I, I, we don't make people check in in the on in yeah. the morning that like that. No, it, it's we we do. You know, what I've come to realize is that time zones are actually a much 
more problematic thing to to stretch than than home and uh, an office. So um, we we have been looking a bit more at okay. So which time zones can we comfortably work with? Uh, figured out that California, as much as we like it, is really a stretch for us because of the nine hour time difference. It just makes working together really hard. Um, but we have some. Uh, so we've added some colleagues to our team uh, over the last few months from uh, um, a couple of uh, from Italy, uh, one in Greece, one in. Benin in Africa, which is really promising because it turns out that there's an enormous WordPress community there. So there's a lot of these these new things that you see that... Um well, open up a lot of new possibilities. I'm very I, happy to see that. 100%. I, I, I do love that part, right? That it opens up the opportunity for, on one hand, companies being more diverse and being able to also leverage the, the, the talents of so many people across the world that, that, on the other hand, they are able to not necessarily emigrate if they're living in small towns or uh, development countries, etc. And they will bring that value uh, and they will keep that money in their own local community. So that yeah. is, for me, there are a lot of win-wins. Uh, oh, I, absolutely! I I think we we totally agree on that. It's 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 an an interesting experience, but I didn't want to talk to you just about remote because you know a lot about SEO and it would be a waste not to talk about that. Um, I was wondering what's what what's the biggest thing that has changed for you in the last year in terms of SEO? Because you, I know you've been doing a lot more YouTube. Yes. Uh, um. So let's talk about that for a bit. But but is there also anything in like on-site SEO or site SEO that has changed? Yes, indeed. Well, in the last year, I think that the, usually, the, and I have to clarify this, like the type of clients that I work with tend to be big companies who tend to have our, also their own in-house SEO team um, or at least a digital marketing team. So my, my work on um, usually is to help uh, this uh, SEO team on specific challenges that they have usually abroad in yeah international type of uh, scenarios or specific challenges across certain markets or um, re relaunching, rebranding, migrating, things like that, right? So, uh, so uh, it's it's funny to see that I think that there has been probably a sh a little bit of a shift on the issues that I handled. So, for example, a year ago, I was potentially focusing much more of my effort on still sorting out um, why their latest release um, leveraging some sort of JavaScript framework was not uh, effectively rendering or was relying too much on uh, client-side rendering, or not only that, but not even following web standards when implementing, I don't know, uh, uh, navigation links, things like that, yeah. not using proper href tags, things like that. Um, I think that there was this time, like, yeah, two years ago uh, or so, like, the, the, at, at least for me, right, a, a lot of companies, bigger companies started to leverage many more this this type of, of um, uh, frameworks and, 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 yeah. and, and new type of technologies on new developments, right? Yeah. But this last year, I have felt literally, and maybe also, also because of the industries that I work on, Oh my God, so much uh, efforts have been to better, like improve the experience of the, the, the pages, websites regarding connecting much better with the user intent, a lot of much more of content 
related work on two sides of things, leveraging search features, which is has to do a lot also with videos, opportunities, carousels, um, uh, structured data uh, that a lot, a lot considered technical, but at the end of the day, the, 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 the value of it or the output of it, it's not, it's not technical, but it's semantics no, and, um, and content. Yeah. Indeed. And, and then on the other hand, it's funny, it's maybe indeed because I work with a lot of marketplaces and a few fintech uh, companies. Um, and uh, I have actually speaking about YouTube, right? One of my top clients is also um, a fitness uh, company that literally like the traffic that generate from YouTube is huge, is huge, right? Um, the, the EAT sort of things that I know that a, a, a few people is like, it's not even a ranking factor. No, but it's this additional uh, layer of sophistication and, uh, and understanding that Google has about the assessment of your content, uh, connecting with the actual intent and satisfaction of the user that uh, I have had to push much more effort to take care of it, to try to parameterize and establish patterns uh, to help on one hand, copywriters, on the other hand, developers to make sure that the experience of the user is aligned to that. So, so yes, I, I think that the layer, uh, I will say, is not so the base of crawling, indexing issues so much anymore for many of these clients, like that is already solved, but it's the next layer of content quality, uh, user experience, yeah. right? right? Think, thinking a bit more about how you position yourself as an author instead and an expert instead of as just another person or website talking about a topic. Yes, indeed. It's, it's funny because yeah. it it, it, turn, it looks to me as though SEO is turning more and more into well, general marketing strategy. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's much, my work nowadays. Is funnily now that you mentioned, it's much more tied. And I wrote about uh, that uh, a couple of months ago with the product team. I have so many calls lately with product people, not necessarily with the SEO people only on, on the projects that I contribute to, because it's, it's now much more understood that everything should be aligned, right? And, and, and how SEO decisions and product decisions will impact each other. So they yeah. need to align I, themselves. I, yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I, so I'm, my, my role at Yoast is chief product officer. I work on our product. And uh, the, the, what you mentioned earlier about structured data being a technical thing, but in the end, the, the benefits is very, is very user-driven. My biggest challenge is making structured data something that people can do when they're not technical at all. Uh, so it's, it's one of the things that I work on on a day-to-day business at the moment. It's like, how do we make using WordPress and, and the new block technology and everything that we have in there. How, we, how do we make uh, making jobs or recipes or, um, or recognizing video content, how do we do that automatically without bothering the user with the fact that we have some, to add some structured data for it? Yeah, and, and, and in a way that actually, like the, 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 at the end of the day, the, the way that the output is generated too is well connected and tied to each other that generates uh, an actual uh, representative and good knowledge graph of your website, I will say, not, yeah. not, a, not a mess, because this is the issue that, for example, I have right now with remoters, right? Like, I, I, uh, we rely on WordPress, by the way, for remoters, mm -hmm. um, but unlike the clients that I work with, who, have, like, they can 
code or develop whatever. They they won't rely on, on a third party tool to to generate this, right? Um, even those that who cannot even code themselves this, they even will rely at some point with GTM, right? As a workaround, things like that. But realistically, if you you know if if, if you rely on a CMS like um, WordPress, yes, I use Joe's the Joe's plugin and there are certain type of structured data that I will be able to generate with Joost. But and I know that my use case is not the typical of a blog, right? Or typical website. No, but, no, but But we'll love much more support on those regards of the jobs, I, uh, I, events. I, I have events, I have tools. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, working on 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 literally most of those, I think. So jo jobs is uh, is something that we're building at the moment, where we where we will have a jobs block. You heard it here here first, people. It's it, it it's a bit of a spoiler, but yeah, uh, there will be a jobs block that makes this easy. Um, events is actually where uh, I don't know what you're using for events on your site, but we uh, we just merged uh, an integration with all in one events calendar, uh, which uh, which basically makes it. And it makes theirs. They output some schema, and it makes their schema tie in well with ours. So we're trying to um, to to build these integrations with some of the bigger plugins in the space, so that we can integrate what people already are using, and make sure that well the the schema output is is correct. But it's hard to do this because um, there's so many different plugins out there, and there's so many different sites with different use cases. So you you end up with like, okay, how do we cover the most used use cases quickly. Um, but we're working on that. It's a, it's a nice challenge. But it, I, I do hear what you're saying, that you're talking to product a lot more. It's one of the things Jono and I have been saying a lot over the last few years in our in our talks and, 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 uh, and how we approach SEO is like, if you optimize your site, but your product is really bad, you might as well stop doing SEO because it's not going to work. Yeah, you, so you, you need really to live up to the expectations of yeah, the people so, at the end. So yeah. you can't just set those expectations. You have to you have to actually meet them, and and that is what well, that that's a hard job. But it it also means that we we get to uh, well a bit more to marketing and to and the way we have, we've approached SEO basically always uh, as a holistic SEO where SEO ties in with everything else. It's becoming more and more like, yeah, realistically, what's left of SEO? In in, in in many ways, SEO is a combination or it's the thing that drives the business case for accessibility work and for, mm -hmm. uh, for good product work and for good branding work. It's not necessarily anything different. It just drives the business case. Indeed. Indeed, 100%. And now that you mentioned regarding branding, right, I think more of a point, uh, and these are discussions that I have had much more lately in the last year, for example, how there are ma many more searches that end in non-clicks, right? This searches that are satisfied already by uh, the SERPs directly, yeah. right? And, and, and uh, realistically, this is something that if you are just an aggregator of other people's data, and if you don't add specific value to what can be already be given directly in the SERPs, directly uh, a lot of factual type of searches you need to be mm -hmm. uh, willing and, and agree that they will go right like so it's much more about establishing uh, a strategy about on one hand which are those queries that for you will still have sense to appear on because of branding or share of visibility just because of that and then on the other hand which are the 
ones that are actually worthy for you to be shown and with which type of pages. I have also seen, this is interesting, also with the latest school updates, how uh, for queries that if you uh, see the, the, the search results of three years ago, uh, they have nothing to do with the, the pages that are being ranked right now because it, the, Google has much more better understanding, I believe, of those queries that are broad or ambiguous. Um, there's no way for you, for example, to rank for uh, CRM with a, with a category page anymore, right? So how do you connect and you evolve your, your content strategy to be able to be shown there in a way that really satisfies that intent of that user? And, 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 and you have more chances to, to be shown in all, through all of the different search features, right? Not only web to, to a page, but with a video, explanatory video, for example, things like that. I, I think it requires you to level up and how you align all, all of the activities too, because, um, yeah, I, I believe that if it's not like anymore, like, oh, I will create a, uh, add more content to the category page and that's it. It will never rank for this type of, of, of queries anymore. So you need to have a much better understanding on intent and, 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 on content format, uh, type of contents and align with the content strategy, the different uh, queries across the, the the customer journey, conversion funnel that actually makes sense. And this is the thing I remember a couple of years ago, many e-commerce websites or purely transactional websites that they will diminish the, 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 the importance of having informational type of content or a blog strategy, for example, not anymore. It is how they will be able to rank for broader terms that will ultimately bring value, right? Uh, they are not, they are very top of the funnel, but this is how they keep being uh, visible and, 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 and showing that they matter in their industry, right? In their sector. Yeah, you have, you have to establish a brand and, well, yeah, work on that. Is that also the same in YouTube in your regard? Is, is, is that a, the, oh my God, YouTube is a whole, is a completely different beast than, than Google. And I have to say something, this is the thing, right? Even if you rank number one in YouTube for your relevant queries, for your relevant term. So for example, I don't know, um, um, bodybuilding, things like that, like, mm -hmm. oh my God, or how to increase your muscles. Uh, a lot of queries in, in YouTube are very informational like that, uh, looking for step-by-step, -step, right, guides, video guides, and there are tons of videos. And, and if you rank in the first position, you will think, oh, it's like sort of Google winner takes all. It doesn't really matter that much in YouTube because most of the views and traffic to your videos won't be blocked by uh, direct searches of people looking for that information, but will be brought from the recommendations of YouTube itself. It's a recommendation engine and 70%, I think, of the traffic of, of, of views within YouTube are brought like that, are not brought by direct searches. A, a user uh, search one, like, like yeah, a, a query like this, and they end up watching, I think it's 60 minutes worth of, of videos. So yes, like the first five minutes are brought by a, by a search, but the rest are pure recommendations. So you don't only need to make sure that you have the relevance, good relevance mm -hmm. going on with the titles, descriptions, hashtags, tags, um, 
typical uh, relevant type of optimization, but yes, how do you engage the user so they keep watching, right? Like the, 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 the I, I call this the rare, the, the, the it's, it's, it's normally the relevance is the keeping the, 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 the retention of the user and the engagement of the user. How do you keep the user watching more? How do you make the user to like your video, uh, to, to, uh, add a comment in in the video so all of this type of inter interactions are what will tell Google, uh, youtube yeah refer this video suggest this video to more people uh in from the sidebar or to other people who have watched videos similar to yours H how do you make people also to subscribe to your channel so next time you publish a video by default they will be alerted that you have a new video and they will come directly to you so it's it's a, it's a very powerful social sort of social channel. And if you think about this, I think that with Google Discover, right, which is, I, I believe is like potentially like the evolution of search. Um, it's a little bit of how Google will like to move like that, to be highly re like a recommendation engine, pretty much, mm -hmm. which, which yeah. is highly how YouTube works nowadays. It's, it's a very blended type of, of platform right now. It's, it's, uh, Google Discover, in, in a way, ties into Go what Google did with Google Now as well, where they want to recommend you something before you've even searched for it. Yeah. Uh, so they want to be there. They want it to be there a bit more before that. I have to say that uh, even on my iPhone now, I've enabled the alerts for Google Discover, and and sometimes it recommends articles to me that I literally hadn't known anything about, but are very interesting, and I go like, shit. How does it know me so well? How how is this? Because it really is doing that very well. But is, would would you say that that means that you? Um, I mean, we all know this from watching YouTube, right? Everyone saying, "Hey, subscribe to my channel," or leave a comment, or, or all that stuff. Um, would you say that that is the most important thing that you can do next to actually making good content? Um, for for YouTube, you you mean yeah. to try yeah. to keep the engagement? Of, yes, yes. To be a good, it's it's it's, it's a little it, bit it a good, good community manager. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, le it yeah. leads to very funny things though. I, so my my eldest son is fourteen years old, yeah. and um, I think he subscribes to like four hundred YouTube channels, um, which means that he gets pings like all the time from different and he he'll never watch those so so the same thing is happening there as what happened with email and with every other channel that we uh with attention yeah the same with newsletters right like how many newsletters out there whatever but i have to say they are powerful and they work well and i have like this i think when i start to grow and do my own my own experiments right um realistically the 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 clients that i have had with youtube and video they were already established so they had their existing community already when I landed the opportunity to optimize uh, their video to also leverage them for SEO, etc. So the, the hard part of the work was there. If they have already 50K subscriber in their newsletter and, and, and like 100K social following and other channels beyond YouTube, it's very easy that whatever there's a new video, everybody will be alerted, they will come, they will like. So again the, the the spiral comes in uh, and 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 google will uh, sorry and youtube will start recommending that video much more because of in the the first three minutes five minutes after it has been uh, published so many people have already watched and like and and commented so it's like yeah the, the powerful becomes much 
much more easily, even more powerful uh, like that. But I have to say that it is much harder when you're starting from scratch. Or for example, in my case, Crawling Mondays, I have 3K subscribers, but, and, and literally, if you see, I start to see, okay, which are the SEO players, men SEO players uh, who have bigger views, more views, more following. And you see people like Neil Patel or Backlinko, or of course, like bigger uh, brands that uh, end up publishing webinars or videos of whatever topic, there is in SEO and more than SEO, PPC, social, whatever, like SEMrush, for example, that very, or mm. HREF, that are very strong in, uh, in, uh, in YouTube. This is the thing, me as, a, as an SEO, for example, I, it's, at the end of the day, it's about branding too, and expertise. And I, sorry, but the type of audience that I will want to attract are not necessarily the audience that I will necessarily talk about SEO for bloggers or SEO for blogging. It's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit more yeah. sophisticated, right? So realistically, how many people searches or are interested about how to implement this flag annotations, right? So I, I, yeah. in, in that regard, the size of your audience is something that really should depend on what's your target market 100%. a lot more than, and then I, I, I mean, so we build a, a plugin that we try to build for a very, very large audience. I mean, there, there's 11 million websites out there now running Yoast SEO. It's a lot of different things and a lot of different people, which also means that there's, that you have to be a bit more, well, generic almost in, mm -hmm. in how you do some of these things. I think the chances are for a lot of people that are using our software as well, if you want to optimize for something that starts small and start, start in, that, in that niche and start really specific and with what you're really good at, because I, there's so many websites out there that try to rank for everything and, and will thus rank for nothing. Yeah, 100%. Where, oh, this is the thing, right? I, I do believe that, and I have watched a few um, uh, people talking about this, right? Even if I right now say, ah, oh, whatever I want, I want the numbers, right? And I start all of the sudden uh, talking about what is SEO in general, something like that, or, or yeah, uh, um, I, I don't know, co uh, content marketing or digital marketing for newbies, one-on-one, whatever. Um, it will, since already my community, like the, the, the little one that these 3K people who are already subscribed and watch me, uh, they will be the ones that will tend to be recommended these videos, but they will see these videos and they will say, oh, what the heck, these are not for me. They will dislike or they won't watch, etc." YouTube won't recommend them anyway to new people. Will, I will, these videos will have less chances anyway to be recommended. So again, you want to build expertise 100% on a, on, a, on a single specific area or topic that actually you add value, is unique to you and makes sense to you business-wise rather than chase number. And I, but I mentioned this because again, again, vanity numbers, like everybody uh, that, follows YouTube is like, oh, how many uh, subscribers do you have? How many views? And we're like, it doesn't necessarily matter. Depends on, at the end of the day, it depends on your business model, what you want to build, why you are doing the, the video thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, traffic numbers are not necessarily things that you need to even worry about that much. I, I um, one of the things I, I often tell people, and I, I mentioned this yesterday to Christy, we, we used to rank with Yoast.com for the term Google Analytics. And that makes your... Um, your search numbers look very cool because you get a lot of traffic. But most of that traffic will bounce because they're not actually looking for you. They're looking to log into Google Analytics. So ranking for that term is absolutely useless. Um, 
Yeah, and, 100%. And it, it, it doesn't really help. So, and this is for all. So, a lot of SEO will uh, will consist of, hey, well, it, have you done your keyword research, and have you really thought about what you want to rank for, and what you're good at, and what? So, and that ties back to what is your product, what is your branding, what is what what is the thing that you're good at, and yeah. why we shouldn't focus on vanity metrics or this metrics that should be indicators and some sometimes are tied and and uh, relevant. And, and consistent with what you actually want to achieve, and sometimes they're done. I think that a lot of people also stressing about this. I remember you just made me remember uh, to this client that I that I used to have in fintech sector. That all of a the sudden they started after one of the this Google updates, uh, they started to rank for a very prominent bank name, like. <laughs> somehow <laughs> in the top position. And of course, the traffic went, went crazily, crazily high. But then you, you, it's, this was one of those cases that you see tweaks two weeks after, you know, Google potentially doing some, some A-B testing right there and they falling again uh, and, and not ranking for this anymore. And, and the, 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 the client coming is like, oh my God, such a pity, this traffic that was amazing. It's like, what the heck, this traffic didn't convert it at all. This didn't make sense, only make you look cool. You know, but it no, doesn't yeah, matter, yeah. doesn't matter, yeah. <laughs> no, that, that is, the, if it doesn't lead to conversions, whatever your conversions might be, whether that is selling someone or, or subscribing to your newsletter or whatever it is, then maybe it's not worth optimizing for. It's a, it's a, it's a probably one of the oldest lessons in SEO, but also one of the hardest to learn well. But you know what? It's one of those things that you still see. I still see, especially, you know, I have to say, it's true that I don't have this issue with more established, bigger type of companies that have their own in-house SEOs because they have done all the evangelizing already in, mm -hmm. in, internal in their organization. But I do see still these struggles for the shiny numbers with startup clients that yes, they have all the money to spend because they have raised lots of money, but they have they have this pressure to grow crazily. And you still see, oh, for which keyword do you want to rank? Oh, so, and they tell you like, yeah, uh, indeed, CRM software, something like, like, yeah, let's be realistic. It's your first SEO process and iteration here. It's like, so you still see this issue, like they will tell you the top term in their industry right there, right at the start, yeah. and go yeah, crazy about it. Yeah, it, it, It's also a bit um, how VCs watch that market and often don't know anything about SEO, but they do set the metrics that these people, that these startups have to mm. uh, get to, it's, which it's is... Growth for growth. It is yeah. like this. Market share, and yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, which, uh, which is which can be quite meaningless if it's not sustainable in the long term. Um, but yeah, that that is one of the, I, Yoast as a bootstrapped company has, has certainly suffered a bit from that. And so we've seen others come into the market and then mm -hmm. with a lot of uh, money from outside and then go away again because, well, their business model is never sustainable, but it's, it, it, yeah, it leads to very weird situations sometimes. Yeah, 100%. Um, so you do YouTube SEO, but there's one other topic that would be remiss if we didn't talk about it. And you're probably sick and tired of talking about it now, but you're very good at international SEO. And uh, um, basically all the stuff that I've known you for for the last few years before, well, when we started meeting each other, you were talking about a lot about Ahreflang and all that stuff. Um, I want to get your opinion on something. We yes. were, we're working on schema a lot these days. And one of my dreams is for 
hreflang to change a bit and to be tied into schema uh, because um, it makes a lot more sense than what we're doing right now because the, st the schema standard is a bit of a mess and is pretty hard to implement well. Um, so, so what we're thinking about is how can we how can we tie schema and hreflang to each other in a way that that would make sense to everybody? Is there anything that you think in hreflang um, is very valuable that that, uh, that uh, we should be using on the front end of our websites more? Have you ever seen implementation of hreflang, for instance, where they use it to power the, the language dropdowns on their site or stuff like that? I, it, it always feels to me as though these things are very separate processes. And that feels so yeah. stupid. Yeah, well, th this is the thing. I think that a lot of people, uh, the way that they s still see hreflang is like they weigh how they will solve their internationalization issues and the the lack of a correct and, and, and aligned international targeting because what they have at the moment or yeah it doesn't necessarily even uh well validated or make make sense of how their audience is split right so some some websites still is like indeed like i i start doing auditing or uh, of, of a website i see that they have an an english version for uh spain or a french french version for the uk and uh, things like that or eu version as a whole in English, but we know that, yeah, in the Netherlands, they, you will be searching in, in Dutch and here in Spain, we will be searching in Spanish, things like that. So, or like versions that overlay with each other and don't, don't make much more sense. So I think that most of the issues with hreflang annotations come from that, that they, in the first place, uh, they, they they have a mess of uh, targeting and, and uh, their hreflang annotations won't fix that. At the end of the day, will only reflect that, um, unfortunately. So that is the first thing uh, that I see. Then on the other hand, what I see of an issue with hreflang is that people think that they need, they need to tag every single URL because otherwise we, Google won't be able to sort out what is their uh, target market. And it is not like this. Google have many methods, mechanisms to understand that, yes, you're using a CCTLD. It's an alignment of signals. You're using a CCTLD or you have geolocated this uh, subdomain observer directory through the Google Search Console and you're including your NAP data uh, across your pages for your specific target market, things like that, right? So it's not a one-off type of configuration. Um, and then by thinking that they need to implement hreflang annotations in every single URL, they don't. They end up doing it on pages that don't have alternates in other countries or languages in the first place, or are highly dynamic URLs that are changing all the time on e-commerce websites or marketplaces, product pages. They don't make sense to be for you to have to go through that effort uh, realistically, because these are not the pages that will have issues on, on being shown in, in different markets, at least in a way that is like beneficial for you to go through the effort to implement that, right? So this is the problem. I think that still the communication or the standing that a lot of people have with Azure Blank Annotations is thinking that, yeah, they need to tag it all and it's the only way to go, etc. Uh, the way that I have seen potentially that in, a lot of people have been able to leverage Azure Blank 
uh, in a good positive way is to when they are targeting only certain markets and they want to specify a version to be the default for all the markets that they don't target specifically. So for example, you have only a US, a UK version, but you want to push um, uh, Australian, uh, your Australian audience for which you don't have specific to go to the UK instead of the US because of, I don't know, the wording or certain conditions that apply much more uh, to be shown that one instead of the US one that will be the one that will tend to rank there better just because of, of, of popularity and authority and his, history, right, of yeah. those pages. Yeah. So I have seen that has been leveraged in that positive way in many occasions, uh, in many others. And of course, like in general, it should be one additional layer of, or signal or channel for you to communicate which are the right pages that should be shown in which markets. But yeah, I, I, for example, one scenario that I remember very well is that I had this, this company, this client that they had, funnily enough, it was a Dutch version that they had, but they hadn't been able yet to translate to Dutch. So it was in English, right? And um, yeah, indeed. And everything in within the HTML code and everything was in English, uh, the content was in English and also the HTML was specified, the meta uh, lang language tag, everything was English, English, English as it should yeah. be, as it should be. But then the they were mad and worried that when you will search for uh, something, even brand, their brand, right, that is going to be the same in English than in Dutch. Um, it was not shown, the right, the right version was not shown. And I was like, you know what? It's, maybe it is because, you know, the user that is searching for this, this, their search engine, right? Their search engine version is not in English, it's in Dutch. So Google is not identifying that this is the right audience for your content because your content is in English and they are looking for information in Dutch. So it's not only about trying to push, some, some people try to push, things that don't make sense. And even if you specify with Ezra Lang or not, it won't make sense. So it's thinking more about and tying more this tax with your audience. Now I have to say with what you mentioned about trying to leverage um, schema to try to uh, specify better or to try to avoid like an additional implementation like Ezra Lang, I can totally see how it would make sense to specify the language of the information of a, of, a, of a certain entity, for example. The other day I was being asked, by the way, about this, and it was a question that I have never been asked. It's like, oh, if I have this product in Japanese, um, should the information within the schema for this product be also in Japanese? I was like, of course, <laughs> right? Of course. So, so it might be uh, interesting or useful to specify the language, uh, yeah. but then the problem will be that indeed, since not everybody uses schema to, to tag, to specify all of the even potential type of, of uh, yeah, uh, 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 elements out there or objects out there, there will be a lot of uh, information that won't be tagged or specified or annotated, uh, right? It, yeah. yeah well, well, that, well, we've seen that, right, in a couple of markets. So in the recipes market, it, it, it basically, if you have a recipe site, not using schema is no longer an option because you simply won't rank. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think that's going to happen for a lot more markets. One of the things that doing this, if we tied it a bit more to schema, would actually be um, if you have a page and you have a fairly large quote from uh, a book, Mm -hmm. And this happens a lot in sites where, where where people are generally bilingual. So you'll have Dutch sites that 
give large English quotes on a page that is otherwise in Dutch. If we do that well, and we do and we do that in a like block-based markup thing, where we can say, "Hey, this quote is a quote, and it is in English, but the rest of the page is in Dutch." You can actually you can actually help Google and certain other search engines to properly distinct uh, say, "Okay, so this page is in Dutch, even though there is a large section in English." Because that that section is just a quote. That's the sort of thing that Google will sometimes trip over. That I think we can now properly fix with proper markup. And I I just dream of a future where we can tie those things together and then do hreflang in the schema so that we can actually well have a real really cool graph instead of just um, all these separate systems as all that are all related yeah, to each other. Yeah, I, I do think that for example now that you mentioned this is is. You specify that you have a product in, the, in this language, and and you have a sister version or another version of this same product that can be found across all of these other um, languages or targeted to these other countries. It can certainly, you know, uh, uh, also make sense uh, as, yeah. a, as a way to to connect the dots, right, of relationships between them. Yeah, I yeah. I I'm, I just get really excited about thinking thinking about it like that, and and thinking about hey, we could then schema could be so much more. It could actually also be, what I I think of schema a lot more these days as the thing that maybe could tie, could could be used as a data source for a lot of the functionality on a page. So if I had the schema on a page that knew about the other languages that this page existed in, I could have a language dropdown that is fed by the schema instead of the other way around. So uh, it, I could make that language dropdown work automatically because of that schema on that page, and I wouldn't have to maintain two implementations. I think it, stuff like that is what, what makes me, as a developer, really excited about doing this better and making those yeah. standards better because I think that'll that'll in the end make our lives a lot easier and will make it a lot easier for everyone to implement this well. Yeah, let's see up to which point because still today, um, Google hasn't uh, moved the international targeting report from the Google Search Console to the new no. version, to the, to yeah, the new interface. And, and, and yeah, let's see, let's see what happens because maybe they even say, okay, you know, this strip length thing. As ha I, has happened in the past with others. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, it, to be honest, I, I, I've. It took me a while to figure out how hreflang works. I think I know fairly well how it works now. We've done quite a lot of big implementations now um, on projects we helped. So we did. Uh, Jono and I built it on WordPress.org, for instance. If you search for WordPress plugins in Spanish, you'll probably end up on ES.wordpress.org, and and and. So we've been working a lot on sites like that. It, it, I wouldn't mind that standard going away so much because it's quite horrible. <laughs> But um, Alida, it, it, I, we can keep on talking for hours. I know that we can. Uh, but it's been very great to have you on. Is there anything specific that you want to say to our audience other than they should listen to you on Screaming Mondays on YouTube? Crawling Mondays, screaming. Crawling, oh, my God. Crawling Mondays, sorry. I could sorry. scream sometimes, but <laughs> I don't. I don't want to scare people away. No, Crawling Mondays, yes. Crawling Mondays on YouTube. Um, you have an awesome newsletter, which people should subscribe to if they're really into yes. search. SEO, SEO FOMO, also known as SEO MOFO, too. You know, I'm like used. <laughs> people call me Alida, too, so it's like I'm used about changing names. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything else they should know? 
No, thank you very much for the opportunity. It was nice to be able to have uh, this conversation a lo a lo uh, about a little bit everything. And, and of course, um, uh, I am also very active on Twitter. You can follow me there. If, um, and if you want uh, anything regarding uh, remote work, uh, any need, if you can go very well to remoters.net. We are like really right now in a... In a, in a moment that I would like to push and leverage as much as possible. And we're more than happy to feature your job adverts for free completely there. Very cool. Okay, thanks a lot for being here, Elida. Thank you very much. Uh -huh.